0: I think it just helped me realize that look, we might look different on the outside, but we have so much more in common, and that could only be seen through having genuine conversations.
1: Mm -hmm. Welcome to Voices of Santa Clara. Having a good idea doesn't get And if we'd hit those, there would have been an explosion. We would have died, obviously.
2: Scholarship should cultivate the virtues.
1: Worry more about, am I searching for what I should be doing next in the world? hi everyone thanks for checking out the voices of santa clara podcast i'm your host gavin cosgrave and on this show i interview some of the fascinating students professors and staff at santa clara university to hear their life stories and have some quality conversations today's guest is taylor berry who will be graduating in just a couple weeks taylor is a political science major and player on the women's basketball team at santa clara This past year, she gave a TEDx talk titled Fostering Genuine Conversations to Reveal Our Similarities. And she was also a Hackworth Fellow at the Markala Center for Applied Ethics, researching free speech and civil discourse, Taylor plans to take a year off before starting law school on her way to a job in politics or sports management, and one day you might even see her as governor of California. I had a lot of fun with this conversation, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Taylor is a lot of fun to talk to, and Taylor is also my middle name, so that is the secret connection that we have always shared. All right, here we go. Enjoy the conversation. All right, so I'm excited to be here today with Taylor Berry, and I would love to start out by asking, kind of about uh, before you got to college, when did basketball kind of become a big thing in your life, and when did you know that you wanted to play basketball mm-hmm. in in college? Mm-hmm.
0: First off, um, I just want to thank you because uh, I think what you're doing right now, Gavin, is something pretty cool. And you don't see a lot of young people out there going out and starting their own podcast. So kudos to you. Um, Basketball, though, um, I started playing in fifth grade. And it's funny how I got into it. Uh, My dad walked in on me folding uh, socks, I was doing laundry, and I was just shooting it into the little basketball bin, or not even the basketball bin, it was um, a laundry bin, which in my head was a basket. So um, it's kind of like the Kobe server, I was like, oh, I'm just shooting around, having fun, tossing mm-hmm. it behind my head, through my legs. And he's like, hey, do you wanna play basketball? I says, yeah, I'll try it. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, so a few years after that, in seventh grade, that's when I actually made the decision to start playing basketball for uh, the sole purpose of going to college and Hmm. getting college paid for because it was an opportunity that, like, I had a God-given gift for me to have the ability to play, so why not use that? Mm -hmm. And um, ever since then, it's been great.
1: Mm -hmm. And how'd you end up at Santa Clara?
0: Oh, how did I end up at Santa Clara? Well, um, I knew I wanted to stay in California, i was stuck between um either santa clara or yale and i looked at it more of like okay i know i want to go to some sort of grad school first off so what do i want to do do i want to have my do i want to pay for undergraduate because ivy said i don't give you full scholarships mm-hmm. or do i want to go to santa clara which is already a great academic school i love the team there and then also it is uh close enough yet far enough from home so my parents couldn't just pop up on me just Mm -hmm. out of the blue and knock on the door. Hi. Like, that. I knew I didn't Uh want that. So um, that's how I really came to uh, decide to go to Santa Clara. But I will say um, I I didn't really know about it. Like, I knew initially I was from the Moraga area, Mm -hmm. so it was always St. Mary's. I had all the St. Mary's gear. But once I had the opportunity just to come down here and – meet with my team, meet with the coaches, and then just learn more about the university. It was just a no brainer. And this is where I knew I needed to be where I wanted to be, so.
1: Mm -hmm. Was it difficult adjusting the first year?
0: Yeah, I think uh, my parents did a great job at trying to prepare me. And when I say that, um, they put me in all of, like the, the right schools. They were just talking about how you have to realize, yes, you're playing a sport. Mm-hmm. And yes, you're going to have fun, but it's also hard work. Mm-hmm. And it's something that isn't really stressed when you're going into the process, but it's a business. Mm-hmm. And there's pros and cons to any business. So um, the first six months or so... Um, we were told and when I say we the student athletes coming in, we were told um you have to realize that you're going to have to choose between either having a social life, uh, either having great grades or either being um, a great athlete like it's hard to have all three because it encompasses so much um so the the first six months were really hard simply because like I was tired we were adjusting to classes, practice, and we started playing um, but there was so much love and support just from the community. Everyone was willing to help you, which I think is probably one of the biggest blessings here at Santa Clara. It's just the simple fact that if you have an issue or if you didn't know something, you could go talk to a random person like, Hey, what's going on right here. And, um, so I think that was one of the major adjustments. And then another one would probably have been time management. Mm-hmm. And I know it's something you harp on your parents. Like, Don't procrastinate, but, um, You know, you're a kid, you want to go out. Your parents are always, uh, you don't want to listen to them the first time, even though they're typically right. And so just realizing how to juggle that dynamic between talking to teachers, if you need an extension because you're on the road, or deciding whether or not to go to a party because you know that Monday you have a, let's say you have a midterm, but Saturday and Thursday you have games. So just trying to juggle that whole dynamic and being on your own, so Um, But it does get easier. Like now, it's fourth year in, you know how to do it, when to do it, and how to be effective and efficient. Mm -hmm. So I think that's pretty cool.
1: Was it true that you had to make the choice between grades, basketball, and a social life?
0: Um, I think you could say, give or take, you could argue, like the first few months of being a student athlete here on campus, you did. And that is just simply because you were – so focused on school and your sport because we were in season and we were starting. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think that idea of having to choose two of the three is false because after your seasons you can still go out and have those conversations and you can still go out and make those connections and have that social life Mm -hmm. and still thrive on and off the floor and social different social dynamics so i like to think like okay initially i went in with that framework of saying like i'm gonna have to choose two or three because three is impossible Mm -hmm. but uh, it's i'm happy to say that after like four years i have been able to literally knock down that stigma and then also i see friends and i know people who have like the same workload and try to juggle it all juggle Mm -hmm. it successfully so it's not true but initially that was like something i came in with Hmm. yeah
1: Mm -hmm. what were some of the things you got involved with in addition to basketball kind of the first couple years and how did those like progress Mm -hmm.
0: I was, um, or I am, a part of SAC, which is the Student Athlete Advisory Committee Mm -hmm. for the NCAA, Um, and I feel like that was just something for me to, like, get my feet wet, dabble in knowing more people, just try to understand what it entails being a student athlete, because I think that's something, Mm -hmm. like, it's something that's common around, nationwide, I guess you could Mm -hmm. say, everybody's trying to deal with the same issues or student athletes having ability to be the voices for like their teammates and going and talking to the administration about issues that we feel like are concerns. So I thought that was pretty interesting.
1: Did did anything like interesting happen with that committee or did you learn anything from that?
0: Yeah. um, So after my first two years, I actually um, joined the leadership part of SAC and I am in charge of Bronco Bowl. And it's more of just how do we get other student athletes supporting their fellows, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So you just don't want people going to, let's say, men's basketball Mm -hmm. just for the big games that you know it's going to be televised. How do we get people to go to tennis, volleyball, baseball, Mm -hmm. and just Figuring out how to bring that camaraderie because it not only inspires and it helps the people playing on the field at the time, but it also gets the student body involved. Because mm-hmm. think about it, Gavin, if you knew all the student athletes were going to go to a baseball game, would you want to go? Like, yeah. it, like you know, it's going to be fun. It, it's not going to be boring. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a work in project, uh, progress. But... Um, It's something exciting. And there's been a lot of improvements, like the Rough Rider app. Mm -hmm. That was something that um, the committee and just the people involved with SAC were able to Mm -hmm. um, create just to give points and help people, help get people out to games. It's like, hey, if you get here early, you get points, possibly get some shirts, a water Mm -hmm. bottle, a little um, beverage cooler holder. Um, So it was SAC. Um, I have been a part of FCA. i go to some of those meetings, FCA is fellowship of Christian athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to say I go every Tuesday, but you know, life happens, but, um, mm-hmm. that's also a really good community I've been a part of. Um, and then now in the late, the last two years or so, that's when I'm more focused on trying to get involved and do things that were greater than myself. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the biggest things was me doing the, um, Hackworth Fellowship and the TEDx talk Mm -hmm. Um, and both of those were more of like hey I'm super interested if I get it I get it if I don't it Mm -hmm. wasn't meant to be obviously God is bringing something else in my life Mm -hmm. but when I got it I was just like oh I wasn't expecting to get it, but now like I'm super excited and to see that other people were excited for the plans I had,
1: mm-hmm. so
2: I
0: think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, so starting with the, the Hackworth Fellowship, uh, mm-hmm. what types of projects have you um, been doing through that and kind of what have you seen come out of that?
0: Yeah, um, so we've done a few things. We have a blog post called The Power of Our Voices and I work with three other people. Lucci, Sarah, and Anon, and together we work with uh, Dr. David DeCoste, and we try to figure out, we have these weekly meetings, and we just try to figure out what are the best ways for us to help educate our peers, Mm -hmm. and help educate our peers about like free speech, Mm -hmm. civil discourse, and what we want that to be in our community. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's been truly a blessing. We've also done uh, civic dinners and civic dinners is modeled after this whole idea of a beloved community it's basically getting various people who typically want to talk to each other or who might not even know each other gathering them around the dinner table and having genuine conversations with them and um through these like dinners we've realized that hey people are like craving for a space for them to have conversations that they like you wanna have a genuine conversation. Mm-hmm. When I say a genuine conversation, I'm not talking about conversations that you typically have, mm-hmm. higher bye, good day. No. I'm talking about conversations when you could talk to someone and you literally show that, hey, I see you and I hear you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then that through these conversations, it's like it's reassuring to see that you see the person right next to you. You might see them in class. You don't know their name, but they're struggling with the same issues you're trying to mm-hmm. deal with. So I think that's pretty cool. Um Another thing is we're in the midst of and I don't want to spill the beans so you might have to like correct mm-hmm. this. We're in the midst of trying to create um a video, an educational video because not a lot of people and maybe you can um maybe you understand this or not. Um not a lot of people understand the whole idea of like free speech and civil discourse. You know, we get all the emails about should free speech be Um, should we have free speech? What does free speech entail? Mm -hmm. But you got to go down to the whole idea of like when everything was happening in the last year or so Mm -hmm. and everybody was saying free speech is, yes, it's a right. But do people actually understand what it is, the responsibility there is with that voice Mm -hmm. and simply the whole idea of how to have a civil conversation with people that might not have the same opinions as you, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: but just being able to respect that because it's it's for not only your own growth but it's also for the growth of the whole community mm-hmm. like this is a learning environment and if we can't even learn from one another through civil discourse or being mm-hmm. civil with one another and having respect for the opinions of others how are like how are we actually going to grow and how are you going to learn about yourself and those around you
1: mm-hmm. I, i'm curious so you're your Ted talk was also kind of on, on this idea of genuine conversations. Yeah. So why are you so passionate about that? And maybe like, what are some examples that you've seen in like your own life of why that's been important to you? No. Yeah,
0: totally. Um, I would like to say that I probably got passionate about um, this whole concept of genuine conversations and being the voice for the voiceless um, junior year in high school and, um, and I think I just was surrounded by um, a community that we really pushed each other out of our comfort zones. And that's when I realized that, like, hey, as an athlete, as a person, as someone who has power and who so many people have helped me get to the position, get in the position I am, to the place I am, um, that I had to go out there and do something. There was something I had. Yeah, I had to go do something. I didn't know what I was going to do. But um, I reached out to the whole, I just love TED Talks, I'll be honest. Um, And it's funny because I look at TED Talks, it's like sometimes this isn't a knock on the teachers, but I could learn more from a TED Talk than going to class. Mm -hmm. We've all had those classes. Nothing's wrong with that. It's just, you know. Um, And so when I saw that there was an opportunity for a TED Talk, I didn't know what I was going to write about yet, but I knew like, okay, I at least want to try. And... um, being the voice for the voiceless is something that has just, it's just been a reoccurring thought in my life. Mm -hmm. My parents have always been like, if you have the power to speak up for those who might not have such power, you need to do it. Mm -hmm. So when I was raised in an environment like that, it just shows the whole concept of why we need these conversations. And I also think it goes back to me and I talked about this in my TED talk, it goes back to me just realizing that I did come from, I grew up in a place where there wasn't a lot of diversity, you know, mm-hmm. and just trying to work out that, work with that and trying to find my own identity mm-hmm. while also trying to find my, I don't want to say my crew, but just mm-hmm. trying to figure out who my friends were mm-hmm. and, um, I think it just helped me realize that, look, we might look different on the outside, but we have so much more in common and that could only be seen through having genuine conversations. Mm. So I think uh, that actually played a role in it, just the environment I grew up. um, Yeah, like I said, my brother and I, we made up um, 50% of our elementary school population of African-Americans, come on. There was one other kid. So, just understanding that look, you might be different, but it's okay. Uh, And then after high school, I had the opportunity to, uh, or not even after, like after freshman year of high school, I had the opportunity to transfer to um, transfer to a school in Berkeley where there was such there was more diversity, and it like it literally opened my eyes to just like look all these different peoples from all these different backgrounds can still come together and find commonalities it just blew my mind Mm -hmm. and then that is when like the junior year that's when I realized I was like look I do have some power Mm -hmm. and with that power I have a responsibility Mm -hmm. so how can I go out there and be responsible for the power I have Mm -hmm. um so,
1: yeah. It. Do you think you had additional power like by being a student athlete and then if so kind of how do athletics and this idea of genuine conversations come together?
0: Yeah. Um, so I think within the last few years there's been numerous examples of athletes who have used their platform to be the voice for the voiceless and just to touch on issues that people maybe may not want to talk about or acknowledge. Um, and that goes from the that goes from Kaepernick to LeBron to even even though it's recent, these are recent examples, but it goes all the way back to Muhammad Ali.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, athletes have a platform and are at on a stage where everyone could come around the whole concept of a sport mm-hmm. and come around this whole idea of wanting to succeed and seeing all hard work pay off. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, and the whole concept of sports is what makes it so amazing is that people can relate to this struggle. And that's why I feel like sports are like sports are seen as a neutral area, but it's not neutral at all. The power dynamics, the politics, it's just another example of it's just another example of what's in the real world. And now when I say the real world, like what's going on outside of the court field or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, as an athlete, I was inspired by um, these actions. And I, I'll t- I'll tell you something. I was inspired to do more after I went to Santa Barbara my um,
1: – I think it was my
0: uh, sophomore year. Uh, we played Santa Barbara, the women's basketball team, and half the team – decided to kneel during the um, national anthem. And we were told, okay, they'll probably kneel. And I was just like that courage to go out there. And even though you're in an environment where typically you wouldn't want to say anything because look, your scholarship's on the line, but you are, you have this pool driven by something far greater than yourself to go and have this action and display this action or this form of protest. And, um, I after the game I told him like I definitely respect you like Mm -hmm. that is really tough because tip like you wouldn't see that if you remember correctly that's when all the backlash for Colin still to this day um and I was like but you guys are using your platform and it's more than just your sport Mm -hmm. um and I thought that's pretty amazing so yeah I feel like as an athlete we all I don't wanna say just as an athlete, Mm -hmm. it's helped me, but I think we all have this, um, we all have different modes of how we can use where we are and what we like and what we do Mm -hmm. to help be a voice or help back something we support. Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to use sports, which is something that can really bring people together, Mm -hmm. but there's nothing like an MIS major Mm -hmm. can use Information systems to bring people together or do whatever they need or whatever you're passionate about to push Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it just uh, isn't tailored to being an athlete but being an athlete helps Mm -hmm. Because when you have that it just shows like oh, okay, well you play sports, which is cool You think about this. I want to listen like people might listen more Mm -hmm. and then the you have a bigger audience that You might Mm -hmm. be able to touch Mm-hmm. hopefully that gets Yeah,
1: right. yeah. So what are you planning to do once you graduate?
0: Oh, <laughs> um, first mm-hmm. off, I want to be happy. Shout out to Sunwolf. Um, <laughs> 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 no, um, what do I want to do? I have one of my biggest dreams would either be the governor or senator of mm-hmm. California. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: And that was something that came with junior year and being the voice for the voiceless. That's when mm-hmm. I really realized that, like, I'm in a position. If I'm in a position to help another person, I want to do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, no, if no ifs, ands, or buts, it's just something I want to do, mm-hmm. and um, not even want something I can do. Um, so I plan on taking a year off. I realized that as you know, like I've been going basketball. I've been going school then basketball since seventh grade. Like mm-hmm. hard. It's mm-hmm. been a job. It's been a great job. I love it. Pros mm-hmm. and cons, but. I need to take a year off before I get into law school. Um, so as of now, I'm just studying for LSAT. I plan to travel. I want to go to Paris, and I think I'm spending Christmas in Morocco with my grandparents, so that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm also dabbling in this whole concept of maybe sports management. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't see myself going into the political realm then then um, sports management, and being an owner or GM or something like that for, like, a professional athlete, Profe- a professional team is just as much as politics as anything else, mm-hmm. you know? I didn't realize it until maybe it was when all the trades were happening midseason for the NBA, mm-hmm. and I was— Thinking about it, because I always talk about sports with my friends, and we'll talk about hey, what about this person? If you have this person or this person, who would you trade? This person, this person, like risk values, cost benefits. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, this is actually something I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. Outside of like politics, and I because I could talk day on, day in, day out about that. Mm-hmm. Sarcastic jokes, you know. But it was something I was like, wow, I could actually see myself in sports management. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Well, what if I made if I broke that whole um, glass ceiling and I tackled gender and race in, like, let's say NBA basketball? Mm-hmm. think about it. If I could be, and this would be one, another dream, if I could be a general manager or an owner for an NBA basketball team, mm-hmm. that would be mind blowing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, African American female. Mm-hmm. That doesn't even like. As of now, there's no one even close. We are just getting." We're just now interviewing our first female head coach with the Milwaukee Bucks.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that, like that's my law. And as LeBron would say, if you know basketball, you know basketball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So hypothetically, if you know basketball or if you know how this whole sports world works, mm-hmm. why why aren't there more female owners? Mm-hmm. Like, why does this have to be a predominantly male Mm-hmm. Predominant. Like I understand, it's a man sport, the NBA and like the WNBA. That's different, mm-hmm. but no. Why are we setting gender like boxes on who can do what and when and where? Mm-hmm. So I think that's another cool thing. Um, but as of now, that's what my plan is.
1: Yeah, yeah. When I when I think about politics or sports management, it just seems so, like there'd be so much competition and it would be so difficult mm-hmm. to to reach like that high of a point, like does that like scare you or worry you at all or?
0: You know, um, I know I was reading this quote, it says, if it doesn't scare you enough, it's not big enough. I think I might have butchered like, and I realized that I used to get nervous, I'll be honest, I, was, I used to get nervous, I could get nervous before games, I'll get like, I got nervous before the TEDx talk. And in the back of my head, I realized, I flipped it around. I said, you know what? You're being selfish. You're acting as if you were the only one who helped you get to where you were.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. When the truth is, there's so many people that came before you that have literally paved the way and believe in you. So that for you to even think that, oh, this might be too big, that's just a selfish shot because all these people believe in you. Mm -hmm. And then it goes back to this concept of, if you don't believe in yourself, who's going to believe in you?
2: Mm.
0: You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's big. Yeah, it's scary. But I also get excited. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're nervous, it means you care. Mm-hmm. If it, if this is too big, that means you're on the right track to greatness or something. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'd love to wrap up with a couple of shorter questions. Yeah. So, cool. first of all, what is your favorite sport other than basketball 10? Number one play and number two watch.
0: Okay um, Favorite sport outside of basketball baseball. I come from a baseball family brother plays baseball dad played baseball I played softball before I decided to mm-hmm. just going with basketball um, So that's probably one of my favorite sports to uh, that's literally probably one of my favorite sports um, and If I had to choose a sport I love to watch, then it would probably be a tie between baseball and soccer.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Cool. Uh, What's your favorite place that you've traveled to?
0: Oh, favorite place that I've traveled to. Um, I loved Cancun. Hmm. Cancun was great. We did a family vacation out there. It was beautiful. Hmm. It was the whitest sand I've ever seen in my life. And like they, (laughs) they literally tell you like this is the most beautiful. I was just like, wow. Uh I was shook. I was like, "Wow!" Uh
1: Um,
0: So that's probably one of my favorite places.
1: Do you have a favorite athlete?
0: Yes. um, Favorite athlete is uh, Derek Jeter. I know he's not playing anymore, but he is my favorite athlete. Why? It's just his class. Like, think about it. Like his whole time, you really didn't hear anything about him in the public outside of like the image he portrayed. Mm -hmm. and it was just, he handled it with class, he did his job, he did it well, and he gave, it's just amazing. Like after he, look, listen to this, I was stuck between either going to my best friend's high school graduation or going to um, see Derek Jeter play in Oakland for the last time. And I kid you not, I was in tears. I was like, I want to be a great friend, Uh but this is my favorite person in the whole wide world. and I ultimately went to the graduation because, of course, like, I uh-huh. had to support. But he is, like, after he – like, I was in tears when he had his last game. Mm-hmm. And the first hit, come on, looked like, <laughs> gosh, just a great guy. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. If you could send a message to every person in the United States, what would you want to say?
2: Mm.
0: If I could send them a message to everyone, what would I want to say? There's so much. Oh, okay. Um. I think it would just go on to this whole idea of like genuine conversations and it would just be, I know it's uncomfortable and I know you could get nervous sometimes, but get out of your little box and go have a conversation with someone because in this world, we just need kindness. Like we need more kindness. Be kind. Go have a conversation with someone you typically wouldn't speak to. Take that risk, and you might see that you have more in common. And guess what? It won't be as scary once you're in it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the one thing I would tell them.
1: And finally, what does an ideal Saturday look like for you?
0: Okay, okay. An ideal Saturday. Gosh. I'll say right now, it's spring. An ideal Saturday would be going to... I think it would be going to the beach with friends, listening mm-hmm. to music, having a little bonfire, um, just enjoying time together. You know, senior year is approaching, or it's upon us right now. A few more weeks, and just going to spend time with people you care about would be pretty great. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, thanks so much for doing of this. Of course. Thanks Very for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. You can subscribe to Voices of Santa Clara on the iTunes podcast app. You can visit VoicesofSantaClara.com for interview transcripts, and you can like the Facebook page. Special thanks to Miles Elliott for the music. Thank you for listening, and have a nice day.